This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Interest rates are higher. I know people don't like that, but you should be welcoming a stronger economy. And maybe a deal has a point about the machinery of capitalism being oiled with the blood of the workers. The United States is a country that has always paid all of its bills. Lannister always pays his debts. Don't let the bastards get you. Hello and welcome to Comedian versus Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined, as always, by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, g'day, Adam. How are you going? Um, doing very well, thank you. Hey, first episode of my Buy, Hold, Sell podcast came out yesterday on the Equity Mates Investing Podcast feed. Did you hear it? What did you think? Uh, if not, I'd love it if you took a listen. Uh, and conscious too, I said last week on, on this show here that uh, I said it was coming out on Monday, the 31st of October. Uh, the next occurrence of a Monday, the 31st of October, is actually in 2033. It was, in fact, Tuesday, the 31st of October. So good news. You don't have to wait 10 years. You can hear it now. Uh, it was a lot of fun actually chatting stocks to Adam Dawes from Shore & Partners. So I'd love to know what you think. Shoot us an email here, uh, cve at equitymates.com, or you can get us at contact at equitymates.com as well. But Thomas, a uh, massive show coming up. And before we get started, we did get an email uh, during the week, a couple of episodes we were talk- ago, we were talking about uh, Prada making spacesuits. And Xander, who sounds like quite the authority on spacesuits, um, sent us an interesting uh, email and attached a video, which was astronaut Charles Duke during an Apollo 16 lunar surface mission uh, showing this. It's quite funny if it wasn't involving such... Uh, such ridiculous amounts of money to put people on the moon but he drops a hammer and he can't pick it up uh hilarious video recommend everyone go and watch it uh and thank you xander for sending that through a really good example of why we need experts designing spacesuits i don't know if those experts need to be prada but i guess we'll see (laughs) did he look good Yeah, he dropped the hammer and then he thought, well, bugger it, I'll just strike a pose. And yeah. he did that for the next one. <laughs> Until people forgot about the hammer. And that's what fashion does. Uh, all right, let's crack on with the show. Um, massive show coming up, as I said. Uh, has the treasurer been telling lies? It's not pork barreling, it's porky pies. Uh, is it all just going to end up as pork crackling? Uh, Google's cloud revenue. Thomas, their cloud revenue disappointed. Um, I guess it's going to fall to their homewares and garden tools division to pick up the tab again. Uh, Plus, have you ever wondered why you couldn't make coffee at home? (laughs) Gen Z are fueling a movement to do just that and it could take the world by storm. But first, Thomas, my daughter Emily turned eight yesterday. Happy birthday to her. Uh, And we had some really good inflation in the balloon sector. (laughs) But seems we have bad inflation everywhere else. Thomas, what's going on with inflation? 
Yeah, we had a we had a shocker with the September quarter data out last mm. week, and hey, it was it was a shocker. It was a shocker in the sense that it shocked everyone. No one saw it coming, <laughs> and it was a shocker in the sense as shockers yeah. tend to do. And it, but it was a shocker in the sense mm. that it was very bad. Mm, it was a double shocker, a two two way shocker. Yeah. So yeah, it came in hot. Came in uh, the trim mean, which is the the, the measure the RBA is most interested in. That came in at one point two percent. Uh, compared mm. with the forecast of 0.9%. So it's a bit heftier. But also the, the June quarter was revised upwards. So sometimes the ABS does this and goes over the numbers again and gives them a – revises them. <laughs> Double check. Yeah. There we go. We get that right? I don't know. Would you mind having a look? <laughs> Is that how the conversation goes? I'm ready to release the data. Well, hang on a second. Just let's not let, – let's at least let one other person have a look over it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. So that, that so that June data got revised up. So right, yeah. So it's, yeah, a lot heftier than than we're expecting. Um, the headline headline's still coming down. So the trim mean annual rates down five point two percent from five point nine percent. So that's that's in the right direction, but just not coming down fast enough. And is the is the RBA going to be? happy obviously like are they going to be happy with these numbers oh no it's it's a headache it's a massive headache for the rba because mm. they now like the rba's forecasts now look like they'll now look like they're unrealistic um they're just the number you can't make those forecasts work anymore were they were the forecasts made by phil though because i feel like uh, there's a get out of jail free card phil lowe's now moved on michelle bullock's in charge does she have the ability to say, yeah, but that was, you know, what Phil was like? Remember? <laughs> remember Phil? She probably could. Everyone like, oh, yeah, I remember Phil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Turns out it was her first forecast. Uh, yeah. I'd still go with it. Be, yeah, I, she totally should. That would be the smart thing to do. I would. Yeah, yeah because because the thing is, because those forecasts had inflation coming down to 2.8% by the end of 2025. So remember, we were looking at a two to three percent target ban. So had it just sneaking into the um, the target ban by the end of twenty twenty five. With these new numbers, if you sort of just rolled that profile forward and adjust your starting point, your September starting point up, you're now looking at three point one percent by end of twenty twenty five, which means that we're not getting back into the target ban mm -hmm. until twenty twenty six. This has got Phil written all over it. This is his wheelhouse. <laughs> Yeah, so so that so that sort of puts RBA in a, in a bind where they're like either they've got to accept that they're not getting inflation back into target until twenty twenty six, which is a bit like a bit wishy washy for an inflation targeting central bank, or they've got to come up with some other justification for it. But nothing else has really materially changed other than the inflation outlook. Yeah, which which then means they sort of back themselves into a corner and they now have to hike. Right and. Yeah, and so now they never said they weren't going to hike, did they? No, like they, that hasn't been a thing. Like we, we were always a bit, we don't know if they will or they won't the next time. Yes, yes, yes. But I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think, but because of the forecast numbers, because that profile's out there and it's in the public domain, to sort of step away from that now and ignore these inflation numbers just looks inconsistent. Ignore well, ignore Phil's inflation numbers. Phil's, Phil's numbers, Philflation. That's what. It, <laughs> As it's now being called in the in the latest uh, press release from the RBA, <laughs> Philflation strikes again. Well, yeah. We're still paying for Phil. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then the rates will go up if they if they hike. The interest rates will go up, and then does that start to get us more towards crisis points? Crisis point for rates. Ah, uh, yes. I mean. I mean, it's, it's interesting because like consumers are already hurting pretty hard mm. and domestic consumption's collapsed or is collapsing. Mm. Unemployment hasn't lifted yet. So the economy is still running reasonably hot at that, at that level. But yeah, it's, it is, it is tanking, which is, so like, I think like they might've, the idea was that, you know, rate hikes work with the lag. So the RBO is just going to let it see, see how it plays out. But now they're kind of backed in, backed into a corner. Mm. And now economists, like this, AFR did a survey, they could only find five economists who didn't think that we'd get rate hikes next Tuesday at the, uh, mm. the Melbourne Cup meeting. Oh. Yeah, and even Lucy Ellis. So Lucy Ellis, until very recently, was the deputy governor. She joined Westpac as a chief economist and then released a paper saying we don't expect the, the RBA to hike rates and everyone went like, okay, that's the inside word. Then inflation came out and then Lucy Ellis went, oh, actually, yeah, we're going to see rate hikes. Mm. So everyone's thinking, like, oh, okay, that's pretty much locked that in. Bond markets are giving a 90% chance now. So rate hikes next Tuesday. Good evidence too of why you shouldn't listen to a Melbourne Cup tip, especially early yeah. on. Like no matter, who's, like no matter who's giving it to you, just tread with caution is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could need to see the turf report. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thomas, the treasurer has been caught out telling fibs. What's going on? Yeah, the ABC fact check one of the things that he said. The, uh, yeah, got their socialist attack dog journalists onto that. <laughs> right. But, but yeah, Chalmers was, was, came saying that um, we've got wages growing, really something on Twitter or X, whatever it is now, um, and saying. I think that's, the, that's actually the new name of it now. It's. Twitter or something X, whatever it is now. That's the full, the full right. and proper name of Twitter slash X, whatever Catchy. it is now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the only way I hear it referred to now. I read something on Twitter or X, whatever it is now. Yeah. Um, that's the official name. Yeah, it's really caught on. Anyway. Yeah, so, he, so he's saying that new analysis shows average full-time worker is earning about $3,700 extra under at Albo MP. Ah, boom. Good, good job. Yeah, yeah. So, so ABC fact checked that and determined that it was misleading. Oh yeah. And basically, and to, because we're talking about inflation, like the basic thing there is, he's just referring to nominal wages, not right. um, not real wages. What's the What's the difference between nominal wages and real wages? So, real wages is so nominal wages is just the dollar figure, and then real wages adjust that dollar figure for inflation to give you a sense of what your purchasing power actually is. Yep. Okay, and they, and they they're saying that average full time wages, depending on what you look at, is, what measure you're using, is has fallen either between two thousand and five thousand uh, dollars in the first year, which is actually a pretty quick quick drop. So yeah, real wages real wages are now back down to two thousand and nine levels. Right. So even if you've been getting, even if you got a pay rise last week, mm. um, let's say what would Jim say five thousand three thousand dollars. Even if you mm. got that in your pay packet last week, you're still behind if that's the only one you've had in the last couple of years. Yeah. Well, this is the first Labor's first year in office. That's what he's talking about. Oh, okay. So right. it's over the year. So we're talking about inflation running at five, around 5%. Unless your wages grew more than 5% in the past year, you're going backwards. Is Jim, is Jim Chalmers across that subtle sort of nuance of between nominal <laughs> the, the and... Nuance. and <laughs> 
<laughs> nominal and real wages because it would trip me up. I mean, I want to be fair uh, to you guys. So, really? Yeah, um, right. I guess by the time you've reached treasurer, federal treasurer, you've probably got a handle on those you'd the intricacies. Like, yeah, you'd like to think so. You'd like. I mean, it's first year economics. Like we. Well, it's only his first year in the job. Right. Yeah. Right. So, maybe when he gets yeah when he gets into economics two oh seven, he'll come back <laughs> and go actually need to update that tweet from last year he's on the uh, treasurer apprenticeship scheme <laughs> <laughs> yeah he got he went to one of those dodgy tapes yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so yeah misleading and i think that's right and i think that's what yeah like particularly in a like what are we saying are we saying it was intentionally misleading then like because i surely this surely we you know the treasurer of the of the nation knows the difference right? we'll be facetious but i i would say this this isn't something unless like he didn't you gotta remember like there's a good chance that he didn't write this mm. or have anything to do with this post right probably, yeah. probably one of his staff put it together but the apprentice, a, the apprentice, year, <laughs> apprentice. First year economics apprentice <laughs> to yeah. the apprentice treasurer. He's punched it out. Yeah, oh, this, is a, this is a cracker. Look at this stat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and it's a, and it's a, and it, like it's speaking to an idea out there that people are go, feel like they're going backwards. Mm. And so it's hard for me to believe that it's accidental. Like it feels mm. like a case of political spin, and people like yeah. people are worried about their wages. Oh, let's tell them that wages are going up. But real wages are falling, so it's kind of just gaslighting in a way, I think. But it's also so it's also so simply disproven that mm. you question why you would send like surely when they posted it, unless it was a genuine accident, but surely people are proofreading these things. Like this is like the government trying to have a good news story and saying, Hey, look at us, look what we did, aren't we cool? Um, we're helping everyone. Like it doesn't like even non-economists could poke a hole in it and go, nah, that's not right. But I don't know. Is there, there must be more to it then? Maybe not. Maybe it's just uh, stupidity. Don't think so. I mean, I think it's like you know, most people aren't give, going over the data with a fine tooth comb like we do here at Comedian versus Economists. <laughs> <laughs> no, but journalists will, and then the journalists, yeah, um, yeah. D- disseminate the 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 information for everyone else. Like it wouldn't have taken, like that wouldn't have been a big day at the ABC journalism office. That, that, that wasn't a four corners investigation into this to uncover. It was just one guy reading a tweet going, oh, I'm calling bullshit on that. And then they went, what is it? Uh, he's called, he said it's wages are going up. Oh yeah, that's totally bullshit. Well, let's write an article. Like that's, <laughs> Yeah, that's the, yeah. the sum sort of total of the journal. I don't discredit the journalism, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, like it's not it's not investigative. No, no, not 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 in that sense. But yeah, but I think I, I don't know. I think it's just worth remembering, like right now, like inflation. This is what inflation does: is that you know, even if you you can still be getting wage gains, and we are seeing wages going up, but because they're going up less than inflation, mm. it means you're going backwards. Yeah, and that, and so you, you can be going forward and backwards at the same time. And I think that's what you know. Probably a lot of people don't understand. And I guess anything that they can do to try and alleviate people's concerns around cost of living, because the cost of living at the moment is like sky high. If I even heard some people talking about it, it was the cost of living pressures that killed the voice referendum that said yeah. that was partly responsible. Did you hear anything about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that 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 line was certainly going around, saying that people, yeah, were were saying that the felt like the voice was a distraction and 
wanted mm. people to focus on cost of living, that sort of thing. And it's sort of the idea, like it's in politics, um, that phrase, it's the economy stupid. Do you remember that? So I, I, I thought it was the economist is stupid. <laughs> 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 I must have heard it wrong. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Much more respect for you now. Yeah. So Bill Bill, Clint, Bill Clinton, back when he won his first term, it was sort of campaigning on it's the economy stupid and saying people were the economy was sort of struggling, people were feeling like they're going backwards, and that creates this sort of political pushback against parties in power. And that tends to be the thing. Like when when the economy is doing well, the party in power does okay, and when the economy is not doing well, people blame the government, and they probably overblame the government because it's not actually that much they can do it's not like people like to think they're driving the economy car it's not the economy doesn't work like that and the government doesn't have that much control over it but that's how it exists in the popular imagination and then then people are saying like well and so because people are angry at the government and then that's what killed the voice i mean i don't think that's true i think like once the coalition decided to oppose the voice Mm. i think that that put the nail in the coffin, like because it, referendums very rarely succeed without bi- bipartisan support. And once they started campaigning against it, and you had, yeah, then that that sort of killed it. So I don't think I don't think it's a, it's a nice convenient narrative that people were angry and mm. that's what killed the voice. But I, I just don't think I don't think people were making that connection. Like, oh, I'm, I'm angry about the price of bread, therefore I'm going to vote no. Like I don't I don't think people actually think like that. Yeah. You mentioned the government. It feels like the government's driving the, the economy car. I think it used to be the economy train and everyone was on board, but now obviously cost of living <laughs> pressures. It's just it's a car and they can't fit enough people <laughs> in the economy car, regardless of who's driving. So, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, why don't we take a break here? We'll be back with more Comedian versus Economist right after this. <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. You can send us an email just like Xander did earlier in the show, uh, cve at equitymates.com. Thomas, a lot of people wouldn't realize that you're actually a massive poetry nerd as well as being an economics nerd. Um, That's right, ladies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I heard heard you might have something something a bit special coming out. Is Is that anything you can tell us about? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm hustling to get this is my little side hustle thing. Um, but yeah, I do I do guided poetry bush walks, looking at poetry from across the ages, and I'm trying to whip that into a little offering to to share with people. I hope to have that ready to go, but 
it's not yet, but definitely in time for Christmas. Do you need binoculars to spot the poetry from the ages or? (laughs) (laughs) I can identify sonnets from the trees. (laughs) What sonnet was that? Hark. That a sonnet? Uh, all right. Well, cool. Okay. So there's a, something people might be able to get their hands on. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it'd be a little little poetry recording with with some of my favourites uh, built around, yeah, getting us ready for the new year. Um, sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it's probably not for your semi-illiterate bogan brothers, <laughs> but mums, your mums are going to love it. So <laughs> if you're looking for a present for mum for Christmas, stay tuned. I am actually. So, yeah. can I get family discount on it, or yeah, give you five percent? <laughs> uh, it's all right. I've already got a stubby hole. <laughs> Great, let's let's get on. Uh, big tech, Thomas, in the US is uh, reporting at the moment. Have we learned anything interesting yet from big tech's reporting season? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Interesting in in the water way it's reflecting on AI and the AI boom. Because remember, AI is the you know. Yeah, AI has been talked about as a boom. It's driven the NASDAQ up over the year, but it's now NASDAQ itself is correction. But the big, big seven or whatever they are, however many you count it now, have had a great sort of run. Um, yeah, and then the reporting season gave us a bit of an insight into that. And interestingly, it was Wednesday because you've got Microsoft and Google reporting on the same day. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it got very different reactions. Microsoft jumped 4%. Um, on Wednesday and Google drops 6%. Okay. Yeah, and basically, and it's all about AI. So Google's Google's results were super interesting because revenue was up, ad revenue was stronger than expected, you know, and Google's predominantly an ads business, but Google's cloud was disappointing. Cloud revenue was disappointing. Disappointing at 22%, mind you. Right. So it's like... That 20, 22% growth. Growth. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Twenty-two up to twenty-two percent to eight point four billion dollars worth of revenue, oh, and markets went fail. Fail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Loser. <laughs> are, you, are you even trying? <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah. why why such different why such different fortunes then for Microsoft and Google if they're both kind of I don't know they're both turning profits that both seem like they're doing well. Yeah, I think I think they're just analysts are looking for more out of the out of the cloud business at Google. So they have been looking for twenty six percent. They got twenty two percent. That was disappointing. Um, Microsoft, on the other hand, did much better than expected. They grew twenty eight percent with their cloud business, up revenue of twenty four billion now. So that's massive. So you know, like it's easier to grow off a small base, but Microsoft is growing off a bigger base. So hmm. yeah, so crushing it. They bought um, they bought ChatGPT, didn't they? Too, or big they in, a big, big investor, a big investor mm. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it's interesting in that sense. So is if if cloud is only part of the mm. Google story, like so they're a big. They got their you know YouTube. They've got advertising. Yeah, well, clouds clouds just just eleven percent of revenue at Google. So it's right. still pretty small. But I think like So even though that was a horrifically disappointing result at twenty two percent. Yeah. It's a small part or smallish part of their company or their overall. So yeah. is that is the sell off justified then? Like or the Yeah, I don't know. I mean part of it part of it is that like Microsoft is playing offense and Google is playing defense. So Microsoft is trying to be the platform for AI and everyone's using the cloud services to build AI capability and so it's a big growth area. Whereas Google's trying to defend its cash cows, it's like YouTube and its search and then trying to, you know, stop 
AI hacking in like hacking away at those those growth engines. And so, yeah, so it's seen as a bit different and it's seen like Google's not doing such a good job at defending its position. It didn't do a very good job at demonstrating its own AI either, did it? Like that was, like what do they call it, BARD? The first demonstration of BARD really tainted their, I'm sure they're quite good at AI. I'm sure they've got some smart people doing some good things with AI, but it seems like Microsoft are a step ahead with just getting, going heavy into chat GPT and going, well, we'll just use this. This is amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's like yeah, like it's it's hard. Like Microsoft isn't building AI. Like it, it is, but it's not like it's not. You know, it's not what you think of when you think of Microsoft. You think of the cloud servers. You think of Azure. You think mm. of supporting other AI players to do AI. Whereas Google, you think about search and you think about working AI into an existing product, um, and that's actually just hard. Yeah, search is hard to work with AI. I haven't cracked that nut yet. Hang on, search is hard to work with AI. That's what. Chat GPT yeah. is. It's just, and it's terrible. It's more or less like it search. hallucinates all sorts of stuff. That's Chat GPT and Bing. Chat GPT. Yeah, like when you use it when you use it to search, it comes up with all sorts of rubbish. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it's far it's it's inf- inferior to just playing Google search. Still. Yeah, true. Because I mentioned at the start of the show I said that Tuesday, the next Tuesday, the thirty first of October is in Oh, sorry, the next Monday, 31st of October is in 2033. I just asked ChatGPT, when's the next Monday, the 31st of October? And it was like, you start with the current year, then it's a non-leap year, uh, blah, blah, blah. So it gave me the whole way it works it out. So and then at the end, it's like, so 2023 plus six equals 2029. Therefore, the next uh, year when October 31st will be on a Monday is 2029. <laughs> and it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I'm like, what? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I went to Google and I'm like, show me a calendar for 2029. It was wrong. So I just kept searching calendars for mm. years until it yeah, right, found right. one. Um, yeah. Right. So, I mean, that uh, begs the question then, how's the AI boom looking? Is is this good signs or bad signs for the AI? I mean, yeah. So like Google, Google's down 6%, but it was up 33% prior to that. Microsoft's up 40, 40% year to date. Right. So I think there's a bit of a bit of a reality check in these numbers. Like people expect, you know, there's like, yeah, there's a bit of an AI bubble in the sense like, you know, AI is launched and it's going to drive all this revenue. And it's like, yeah, probably in the long run, that's definitely true. But in the here and now and like whether that's, you know, building that into prices, like I think it's going to be a, a while, even before Google, like a, a you know behemoth like Google is able to effectively monetize AI. I think if Microsoft brought Clippy back first as the first mm, AI yeah, assistant, yeah. you know, the one that said, hey, it yeah. looks like you're writing a letter. Yeah. Would you like some help? Like that one, I think that should be the first primary focus yeah. for Microsoft for AI. Yeah. Right, Thomas, I hear young people are ruining cafes for everyone. What's going on? Yeah, Gen Z. Can't just can't can't have nice things. No, they've uh, they're not not to cafes as much anymore. Oh. Ah. yeah. So it's a bit a bit of a boom in in home coffee consumption is what it's called. Oh yeah, yeah. Is this news? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's significant. People are making coffee at home. Yeah, like yeah, it's it's substantial trend. So like the the National Coffee Data Trends Report. I don't know who I don't know oh, who yeah. puts that out. Oh, I know <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, they're saying that end of 2022, 84 percent of coffee drinkers had coffee at home, compared to 80 percent pre-COVID. That's, that's you know that's okay. that's a five, you know four or five percent shift. That's enough to create a notable change in the market. I think we got. I think maybe we got spoiled by the good times and drinking coffee at cafes. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I don't think that's a normal... <laughs> I'm going to sound like a crazy person. <laughs> I don't think that's a normal kind of thing to do in a way. Like, yeah. to buy two or three cups of coffee a day at a cafe uh. is, like, that's living large. Yeah. In, well, in two a or sense. three is, like, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Even one. Like, yeah. I don't reckon I set foot in a cafe to buy a coffee. Um, oh, God, I can already hear myself sounding like my dad. Um, I don't reckon I set foot in a cafe until I was like 22 to buy a coffee. Mm. Like, yeah, we yeah. just, and, and thinking back to mum and dad at home, they just, they just made coffee. But we grew up in Darwin. Well, how many iced coffees yeah. did you have when you were a teenager? Oh, a lot. A lot actually. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> when you put it that way no but that was they were just drinks from the servo like <laughs> servo cafe tomato tomato <laughs> <laughs> oh god i'm just realizing that grabbing a paul's ice coffee from the servo is the darwin equivalent of sitting down and having a latte in a cafe in a, a yeah, yeah 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 so the, the real interesting data question is like are people in darwin <laughs> making ice coffees at home <laughs> Has, has there been a shift? <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, well, yeah, I don't know, maybe. Um, no, but I guess my point is, making coffee at home is just what what you do. And um, uh, I don't know when I was in the when I was in the city, like you'd always, you know, you'd stop at the cafe on the way into work or before you got on the train, have your coffee. You know, it's part it's part nice, of the routine. Nice for you. That's a nice that's a nice thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But that's that's the kind of coffee purchases that's included. Like, yeah, yeah. So that's so that sort of trending down a little. They're saying that 30% of remote workers invested in a new coffee machine in the pandemic. So it's pretty, pretty hefty. Yeah. But uh, the commute thing is is at play there too, right? Like if you're only going into the city once a week yeah. or twice a week or not at all. Yeah, true, true. Then a lot of people are buying their coffees on their commute. They're not necessarily, if you're at home, you're not still going to be going out to a cafe um, first thing in the or as regularly, you're just going to be going. Oh, well, I better get a coffee machine at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, that's that's probably part of it. That's probably part of it. Yeah. The other part is the cost. I think so. Like you know, with cost of living going up, people are driving. Yeah, mm. avoiding that expense. I think you can make good coffee at home now too. Whereas maybe you couldn't. Like I mean, mum and dad used to make Nescafe, like Blend Forty Three, um, which is probably why I didn't catch onto the coffee buzz early on. Um, in fact, Anna still prefers Nescafe Blend Forty Three over like coffee, and I'm like, "How are we even still together?" But you can make really nice coffee at home now, and I think that's part of the trend too. People are getting a bit artsy about it, and they're like, um, "You know, I'm going to in- infuse some caramel and and some other gear in there." Mm. So the coffee shop doesn't have as much of an edge as they used to. Like it used to be, you'd go there and get some like, "Oh, that's really good coffee." Now you can you can make it at home. Yeah, yeah. No, I know I know quite a few people who won't go to cafes just because they don't make the co- coffee exactly as they like it. Right. Because they've, they've 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 you know they've nutted out their exact perfect coffee and they can't get anyone else to make it. Yeah. So maybe it's not the people turning away from the coffee; they're turning away from the barista as a kind of thing to be like. People are catching on, going, "It's not." You make it sound like it's hard. It's not that hard. I'm making one here. Like, mm-hmm. you know, coffee machine and some YouTube videos. There's not much you can't do with YouTube. <laughs> I saw this I saw this YouTube video yesterday, making an incision, how to start every surgery. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm like, wow. 
This do-it-yourself home home movement. This is the movement we should be talking about. There's videos showing how to start surgery. Uh, was it put together by some Gen Z TikToker? <laughs> I think I got this figured out, eh? Well, the the other thing driving it is that um, they're saying that the Gen, like Gen Z is sort of like where this trend is showing up the most, partly I think because they're getting hit by cost of living pressures more than anyone else. Mm. But also so they're saying, someone's saying that uh, Gen Z, the idea of the second space, we talked about this, like the second space that's not the home where you go to hang out, saying that oh, yeah. for Gen Z that's not so much of a thing and that they're more inclined to go online and um, that the second space is online. I don't know how true that is, but that's what some... Um, Media right. analyst on Newsweek was saying, but again, working from home. This is uh, to me. This is a whole working from home story. You're not commuting as much. You're not. But of course, then you're not going to the second space. No, nah, fixed. Move on. Nothing to say here. In the story. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing you all the stories that don't matter. <laughs> uh, all right. Why don't we leave it there? Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, really do appreciate it. Don't forget, check out my Buy, Hold, Sell podcast, which came out yesterday on the Equity Mates investing feed. And stay tuned for Thomas's poetry uh, exploits coming to a, I don't know, where would they be? It's coming somewhere soon <laughs> near you. <laughs> you can get them. Uh, but that is all for us uh, for now. Thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Bye for now. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. <laughs>